Well, I am excited to be with you all today, and uh, in this new year, we're going to be uh, beginning a new sermon series here as we kick off this new year uh, uh, over the next uh, six weeks or or so. Uh, the Lord's kind of put it on my heart coming into this new year. There's some observations and convictions from my own life and, and just uh, uh, some insights coming out of uh, walking alongside uh, many of you all and, and uh, reaching out to others in the community. The significance of living on purpose. And, and uh, just some practical direction in this profound space of purpose. And we all live for some kind of purpose, but we've been given a greater purpose from God. And very few of us oftentimes are taking intentionally a hold of this and, and living on purpose, living for his purpose. It's, a, it's valuable at the, at the beginning of a new year to, to, to pause and, and, and even reflect, where, where am I headed? Where am I going? In this sermon series, we seek to establish a reset or reestablish, or for the first time, some of you, establishing, what am I designed for? What is my purpose? And to not just live out of instinct or repeat the past, but live to the fullest. God has so much more for us. If we will receive his purpose. As we walk through this series, today I'm going to be focusing on just the, the general, what is our purpose? And we're going to, in the coming weeks, get through practical things of how do we, how do we have a strategy and a plan for accomplishing that purpose? And, and, and what is God's wisdom for all the, the, the tools we need in our toolbox to live on purpose? We're going to predominantly be in the book of Proverbs Book of Proverbs is in the middle of your Bibles, and it's a very practical wisdom for how do we live in God's world. God's given us ways, because it's his world, to live in it and thrive. It's his wisdom. So we're going to be walking through the book of Proverbs. And as we walk through the book of Proverbs, my sermons are going to be a little bit different than usual. As you preach through God's wisdom and Proverbs, instead of in the past, which you might be normally used to receiving from me is, well, I'll have a passage of scripture. It was part of a book of the Bible that I'll be walking through verse by verse and unpacking that. And the point of that passage in light of the, the entire book with Proverbs and the truths that are revealed in Proverbs are, are much more like a thread in a fabric. And, and you tug on that thread and, and that thread is a theme that runs through all of scripture. And so in, in my sermons, you're going to be hearing from, the, walking through these threads, these truths that, that reveal themselves through the entirety of God's word, the whole fabric of, of the Bible. Well, as I mentioned today, we're going to start with purpose. What is our purpose? What is your purpose? You're already living for a purpose. Do you, do you know what that is? Do you know what's driving you? This week, a significant event happened. If you, if, if you like football, you've really been dialed into this. If you don't like football, you haven't been able to get away from it because it's on the news. It's everywhere. Damar Hamlin 
from the Buffalo Bills was had a near-death experience. He made a tackle uh, uh, in the game against the Bengals this past week here, and, and it, was, it seemed like a very routine kind of situation and event and a tackle. It wasn't anything harder, a harder hit than usual, but all of a sudden, everything changed because he stood up and then he collapsed. He had cardiac arrest. His heart stopped. And without the intervention of medical professionals, he would be dead. All of a sudden, on the field, through commentators around the world, there's an enormous call. We need to pray. Damar is getting better. That is, that's a miracle, certainly in and of itself. Probably the bigger miracle in all of this is the millions and millions of people who recognize the only solution is not good vibes. It's not thoughts and wishes. It's prayer. There's, we, we need an intervention. We need to go to, there's got to be a power that can work in this situation. And it's drawn an enormous amount of attention. Such that on CNN, Anderson Cooper was interviewing a gentleman by the name of Benjamin Watson. Take a peek. Uh, these times bring us face to face with our mortality and we all have a, a day to be born and we all have a day to die and so often in the in between those two points we feel invincible whether you're a professional athlete <laughs> whether you're at the top of uh, your profession uh, whether you're feeling healthy you understand that sometimes there's a reminder that hey all of us have an appointment with death but I think after that it also makes us realize where are we where do our hearts stand? If that were to be us laying on the field, or if that were to be us laying in a hospital, what would our next steps be? And so on the flip side, with such a tragic event, there is tremendous opportunity. Uh, part of my prayers right now, Anderson, is for the players in both of those locker rooms, for the chaplains, who I know very well, who are right now uh, counseling and comforting players who saw a brother in a near-death experience and who is still fighting for his life. Because the questions about... What happens after this life? Where will you spend eternity? As you mentioned, Anderson, are coming up for all of us, not just for the football players, but thank God that he provides an answer through his son, Jesus Christ. Mm. Benjamin Watson, seizing the opportunity to communicate truth and hope. And he raises in questions, important questions for us, that death brings clarity. Why do we exist? What happens to us after death? Is there life after death? And if, if that is true, which it is true through Jesus Christ, there's more than this life. Then it means there's more to this life than just surviving. What is our purpose? What are we living for? Death begs us to answer that question. Today's main passage of scripture is Proverbs 29, 18. And in it, it says, where there is no vision, and different translations might say revelation or prophetic vision, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law of the Lord. Let's pray. 
Holy Spirit, as we, as we come to receive your word and this truth threaded through your word, Lord Jesus, we need you, Spirit, open our hearts to receive this. Lord, there's a, there's a need for an exchange today, Lord God, a need for us to see what purposes we've let drive us, what instincts we've lived for, Lord God, and not something greater, not life itself. And so, God, we pray for your spirit to, to make us alive to today as we walk forward for, for out of this church. We're walking forward in life with clarity, with purpose, your purpose, God. Spirit, do the work in us and, and, and work through me, this broken, broken vessel. In your name, amen. In this passage, where there is no prophetic vision, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Do you know why you exist? If you just pause and run through this list of questions, how would you answer them? How do you answer the why in your life? What defines you? What, what is it that's driving you forward? What, 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 what is it that's defining and determining the, the, the decisions that you make and how you make those decisions? Do you, do you know what that is? There is something that is at work in us. But not all the time are we aware of it. Not all the time do we pause and actually ask ourselves the question, what am I living for? In times of, of, of hardship and suffering and, and, and darkness, oftentimes these crises bring to the surface these what we call existential crises, these questions of my existence. Why? What's this all for? I encourage you. This today's message is going to require homework. Or those of you who have been in counseling with me, I like to call it home fun, right? It's going to require you to continue to chew and process and think. In the passage here, where there is no prophetic vision, people cast off restraint, or where there is no vision, this verse oftentimes is is very much misused. It's misused in the sense that it's used to talk about any kind of sense of direction or purpose in life because that term vision is used. And we have a modern understanding of what this idea of vision is. We use it with organizations, vision, mission, purpose, statements, these kinds of things. But this passage is speaking in particular, this word vision other translations might use revelation or prophetic vision is, is God's revelation of truth. God's revelation of himself. God's revelation of why we exist. What we exist for. It's not just any kind of idea or hopeful future. It's God's. What it says here is when we lack God's direction, when we lack God's revelation revealing to us the truth about existence and life 
and us in particular, when we lack that in front of us, people are unrestrained or cast off restraint. This word means to loosen. If you, if you, if you had hair, some people have hair. It, 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 it literally meant to, to, to let your hair down, to loosen, unbraid your hair. And, but but it, was, it was meant more in, a, in an intense sense. It was this uh, unfettering, it was releasing your desires to go wild. God bless you, ladies. And guys, we, we don't spend an enormous amount of prepping and primping on ourselves to get ready. But, but a lady's hair, as I watch my wife and over the years and all the work that she's had to put into it, it takes time. You got to you got to tame that mane, right, ladies? Maybe, maybe that's not the words you use for that. The results are beautiful. There is an instinct within us to let our desires, to let our instinct drive us without God's direction and God's leading in our life. Our desires will take over and rule us and run wild. It can look a lot of different ways, but he says there's blessing in those who keep the law. Now this word law is, is, is again, it's just, it, it's referring to Genesis through Deuteronomy at this time the first five books of the Bible. And it's, again, God's idea of uh, God's, God's truth of, again, why are we created? How are we created? The purpose for we were created. And it reveals within the first five books of the Bible who we are and why we exist and what we live for. Whoever keeps God's direction, God's truth, there's blessing in that. There's life there's hope, there's joy. There's something that when we receive from God his way, there, there's new life, there's fullness of life. And Jesus affirms that. I've come that you might have life, have it to the fullest here and now, but it's even more. I'm working on a place for you in eternity. Our challenge oftentimes for us in this life is receiving and letting God's purpose be our purpose. We all need purpose. It defines us. It directs us. Your purpose in life is like a, it's like a bullseye. It's something that, that, that we aim for. When, when we use this purpose intentionally, it's, it's like, it's like a, a finish line. We're, we're driven towards it. Our purpose determines even our decisions. I ran a marathon recently and thinking, I got to run 26 miles. That defines how I run. I just don't go out there and start sprinting. The finish line in our life determines our choices in the present. We were thinking about with a destination, a desired destination for us in a journey that we're going on. Any of you go on any family vacations where mom or dad said, hop in the car, kids, we're going to go. Where are we going? 
I don't know. We're going. Any, any of those? My, my, my Dan had one of those. They probably knew. They probably didn't tell you where they were going, but they had a plan. You got to have gas stations in mind, food. You have, you have kids. You're going to have to, you know, there's potty breaks and stops and all those kinds of things. We, 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 need, a, we need a plan. My dad liked to say growing up, okay, we're going to go. Where are we going, dad? Crazy. You want to come? Dads. We have purpose. Question for you. What is your purpose? Consider some of these things here as I walk through this list. Things that that, that might be drivers. Today's a bit of self-examining. What is our purpose? What what, what do we actually let drive us? And, And to exchange that with, we want God's purpose to drive it. Because in God's purpose, there is life, fullness, joy. There's so liberty. What are the things that instinctively drive you? It's usually more than, than, than just one thing that we let drive us in our life. And these are not always conscious things. It's not something that we've actually written down. Like, I live for food. But my beha- I, I don't consciously think that. My behavior would tell you I live for tasty, sweet treats and to eat them all. Here's a list of a variety of things, jobs, career, wealth, success, winning, achievement, accomplishing many things, great things, impacting other people's lives. Those aren't bad things. Comfort, ease, family, love, the past survival, being true to who I am. I'm going to unpack some of these here, things here. Job, wealth, success, achievement, comfort, ease. Some of us like our ruts. And if we're honest with ourselves, we actually live to preserve that rut in our life. We live to preserve. I don't want to change. I don't want things to change. Just let me find my comfort zone. I just want to live within that. Being comfortable is not a bad thing, but it's insufficient to be our purpose. Achievement's not a bad thing. We got to get things done, right? But it, it's a slave driver if it's our purpose. It could be pleasure. God has given us many things in this life to enjoy. Food, for example. Many things God has given to us for pleasure. But when we let that become our purpose, what drives us, it will corrupt us. Created things are insufficient to be our purpose. But we let them become our purpose. Sometimes on accident. Sometimes because we've confused it with our priority. We're wired in different ways. So these things might come from personality of how we're driven. These things, again, will corrupt us left to ourselves. Or we will corrupt those things to be driven by them because we are broken. 
I let achievement get in the way and of my family. I let achievement drive me to destroy my own body. Approval of others. These things that are good things, I let them become the things that drive me. Where God wants these good things to be expressions of the ultimate thing. Our true purpose shapes and informs all these good things. Our job, what we do with our finances, our wealth, success, achievement, our true purpose shapes these things. You know, I might say, well, family's a really good, really, really good thing. How, how can that be wrong if I value my family? If, if my, my, my vision, my purpose is, is family, to be a family person. Like, we need more of that. We do. We need more family men and women. We need healthier families. But, 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 but being family-oriented isn't enough. Because what defines, what defines... Who are you becoming in that family? You can be very committed to your family and have nothing, no moral compass, no spiritual direction. Consider my man, Ralph Damasi. He was a family man, working nine to five, having good boundaries in order to be home and have family supper with his his kids and his wife. His wife would even say, nobody will ever love or has ever loved the way we loved. Now, Ralph was in the mafia and he, you know, did bank robberies and killed people. But he was a great family man. He was committed. I mean, his priorities were in the right place, right? There's got to be something. There's got to be something bigger that, 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 that drives and defines what are we becoming as a family? Why do we exist? As, there's something so much more than just existing for each other. We'll, we'll let our kids become idols, parents, and their activities and their, and their success and, 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 and developing and growing. We'll let them become idols. We can let our spouses become an idol where we need them and, 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 and we won't love them because we need them. We won't do what's best for them because we need them. It's selfish. Love. Love, well, love that would, is it love our purpose? Well, it all depends on who defines love. If you don't re- receive your purpose from an objective source, something that is clear and, and, and unchanging, what, what defines love? Because if you were to ask within your own family, you were to ask your coworkers or friends, what is love? You get a lot of different definitions. There needs to be a, 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 a clear authority that defines and determines what is love. And too often in, in, in our culture and in this life, love is defined as acceptance without accountability. You do whatever pleases you. Acceptance without accountability. No, love changes us. If we truly love someone, we truly love someone. If we're truly loved by someone, there's accountability that's involved in that because we are broken people. This this, uh, 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 value that's permeating our culture today of you be true to you, you be you. Be the best version of you. Where it's all, you define your purpose. There's this philosophy that's come out of the postmodern shift in culture. 
You write your own story. Now, that kind of sounds exciting at some level. But when you come to actually facing things like suffering and tragedy, what about your own brokenness, mental health? Whoa, 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 whoa. When it's all up to me to just write my own story and determine what, what, where I'm going in life, and it's all up to me, and there's not something that doesn't change, there's not something that's objective, not something that's purely good and consistent. When, when, because, friends, you and I, we're not any of those things. We're not purely good. We're not consistent. We're not objective. We're not unbiased. We're not whole. All these things are necessary to provide an unchanging, clear, and good purpose that's not just feels good for you, but it's good for others. When I'm faced with questions about my sexuality or, 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 or my gender identity, or when I face questions about my, my, my value and worth and, and, and the depressive, dark, suicidal thoughts come, when, when I'm faced with with suffering and, and, and the dark realities of a sinful, broken world. How do I answer those questions when what's inside me is very confusing and conflicting? We were never meant to be the masters of our own fate. But that's the nature of sin. God, I want to be God. I don't want you. I want to be God. I, I want to determine my way. My direction, my purpose, but we're broken. We're hurting. We're not consistent. We're not, we're not objective. And therefore we'll just live for survival, making it, just making it to the weekend or just trying to outrun my past or I'm just resolved to like, I'm just going to be like my parents. I'm just going to relive the same family drama and dysfunction and pain and suffering. I'm just going to keep it going. And it may not be intentional, but that's your path. The past is just repeating itself. And it is your purpose. You can be free. You were made for more than all of these things. Because you have a God who loves you who desired you, who made you himself, who gave you physical life and wants to give you fullness of life, eternal life. There's a guy in scripture, his name's Solomon, one of the kings. And he wrote a book, it's kind of debated actually, whether he wrote the book or not, but Ecclesiastes, in some cases attributed to this guy named Solomon, super wise guy, wrote many of the Proverbs. And, and, and he, kind of a life experiment, he indulged himself in all these things. He didn't withhold sex, food, work, all, all the things, comfort. He indulged in all of these things and didn't withhold anything from himself. And his result, his conclusion was, man, life is meaningless. That's kind of a rough conclusion, right? Is that, is that what we're resigned to? If, if that list is what we live for, then yes, it's meaningless. Everything is, is transient that's created. Everything is, passes away if it's created. 
There's no enduring source of, of joy and hope in life unless it's in something that's truly enduring and eternal itself. Solomon came to realize there's, there's no purpose outside of the God who created us. And then I can enjoy my work. I can enjoy relationships. I can enjoy food. All these pleasures in this life. All of these things become organized in the right way. They're, they're, they're in these right boundaries. They're, they're, they're not my purpose anymore, but they're, they're expressions of my purpose of God and enjoying him and his creation forever. What he calls this in the end of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, it says this, the end of the matter is all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. This is out of his whole pursuit of finding meaning and purpose in everything in this life. His conclusion is you got to fear God. Now, we hear this word, fear God, and, and it's a bit confusing for us today because fear, uh, we have this sense of, of it's a negative kind of emotion or a negative experience to fear something. Like, it's bad. You want to stay away from it. That's not what, what the Old Testament scriptures mean by the whole idea of fear God is to honor him, to respect his position, to respect his role and, and authority. As we go back and, 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 and let me pause here. Talked a lot. I do that. I acknowledge that. I take ownership for all the talking. I'm going to take a moment here for you to just kind of let your hearts and heads catch up. And all these things that we've talked about that we have the instinct, the tendency to make our purpose. Where are, if any, are have some of these things become your purpose in this life? I, I've shared with you my, my, my tendency towards achievement, my tendency for accomplishment. I love to help people, but it leads me to people please and to have poor boundaries. I love tasty food a lot. I will let my decisions be made by these things and be determined by these things in this life. I need to acknowledge what are the things that drive me. My dad talked about he was in the Marines. Hoorah. Um, Simplify. And on an aircraft carrier, you, you as a sailor or, or, or being on the aircraft carrier, you can get disoriented in terms of like where are we and where are we going. And, and, and a common phrase was if you want to know where we're going, look at the wake. If you want to know where we're going or where our bearing is, look at the wake. Look at the trail behind you. I'm going to ask you to pause here just for a moment to just self-examine with the Holy Spirit's help. Lord, what have I let be my purpose? And it's like, what are the things that I've let drive me and determine who I am, how I live, why I exist? just wanted you to take just a couple seconds here to answer these two questions. And you may screenshot this, write this, and come back and write down 
But if you were to examine your life and your behavior, your patterns, looking back at your wake, how would your lifestyle describe where you're heading, your purpose, what drives you? What would friends, family, or coworkers say your purpose is in life based on their observations? Take a couple seconds here and just reflect on that. Where there is lack, where there is no prophetic vision, where there is a lack of God's vision, we will cast off restraint. We will let our instincts run wild. Blessed is the person who keeps the law of the Lord. As Solomon put it, the end of the matter, fear the Lord. I want to take a moment here. Let's just kind of look at what does this mean? To fear the Lord. We're just going to walk through a couple of scriptures here to just take a peek at what does it mean to fear the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Already we can see here there's something about in relating with God, I've got special understanding about this world and how to live. I've gained wisdom. The practical tools to make the right kinds of decision in this life. Who wants to be wise? You should all have your hands up. Those fools. A bunch of fools. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Right? Proverbs 19.23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life. And whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Anybody likes life, satisfaction? Like there's a lot of things that we try to satiate our desires, satisfies, but nothing ultimately does. But there's something in the fear of the Lord. Under him, he brings satisfaction. He brings life. This isn't the, 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 the concern here. The reaction is fear the Lord, law. I hear a lot of things that I've got a lot of church trauma about in terms of legalism, and it's not freeing. And in fact, it's, it, it's enslaving, it's guilt-ridden, it, 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 it creates more problems than it does good. But no, if we truly understand what God's word actually says and who God really is in him, in relationship with him, it's life-giving and satisfying not guilt-inducing and shaming and controlling. It's freeing. Proverbs 14, 26, and 27. In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children have a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a foundation of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Confidence. We're seeking Security. Many of us live to pursue our comfort, but in, in the fear of the Lord, we have confidence. Our children, we care about our kiddos. The fear of the Lord. They have 
the refuge, the protection, the provision, the direction they need. It's a fountain of life. It also directs us away from harm. What's the last one there? The fear of the Lord means I receive that God is a creator. He's the creator of all things and he's the creator of me. I receive the fear of the Lord is a relational response to God as my authority, as my king, as my God. He created me for himself on purpose and he made me for his purpose. My purpose, your purpose, our purpose is a loving relationship with the one who created us. He created you because he loves you. You have value and dignity and worth that does not determine by what you do or what others say about you. Isn't that relieving? It's consistent. It's, it's, it's unchanging. Your value, your dignity, your purpose comes from one who loves you. That's good news. My purpose is to live in loving relationship with God and to honor him. Therefore, I live, I live, I live for him and how I live my life and relate to others. I trust he's the one that gives me guides. It's his world. I'm going to live his ways in his world. I trust him. That's the big part of this exchange of purposes. Will we trust? Will we trust? You see, there's cost in it. There's always going to be cost because that's the, the struggle we have inherently in life. Like, but God, I want this. I want it now. And, and I should have it now. Right, God? I'm going to do this. Bless me, Jesus, while I do this and get my stuff now. None, any of, none of you have prayed that way, right? I'm going to get what I want. I'm going to get it now. Jesus, bless me. No. It's costly. Because if we're to trust him, we distrust ourselves. We're not the, the ones who are best fitted to be the master of our ship of our destination, of our direction. We need him. The great thing is this is good. You have a good father who loves you and has a great plan and purpose for you. And it's more than just surviving. It's even to impact and change others in this world. Jesus, summarizing the whole law and prophets summarizes our purpose this way in conversation with, uh, with some scribes and Pharisees. You can go to the next slide there. And he explains, you can go to the next slide, what's the most important in God's law? He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Jesus summed up your purpose as love God, love others. Love God, love... That's why you exist. That's why we exist in loving relationship with God who created us. And with that same love we receive because we don't define what love is, He is the one who defines what love is because He is love. We love others. Paul describes our 
purpose in life in this way. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Our purpose is not about us. It's about him. It's about Jesus. It's about representing him. Paul would also say, to live is Christ. That's it. It's very simple. Jesus. There's a lot of different ways we can summarize uh, these, this, this sense of purpose in, in terms of, of wordsmithing, uh, which is helpful to clarify and make this into simple, tangible phrases because we need these things to keep, stay in front of us to guide us in the practical things of every day. Here, here's some examples of love God and love others, glorify God and enjoy him forever. If you, Westminster Catechism, the reformers. No Christ, become like him and naked. No, anybody heard of that one? Mission of grace. The mission of grace isn't just for an organization. It's for us personally. To know Jesus, become like him, to make him known. That's why we exist. In some respect, it, and our purpose encompasses these three things. We're be in relationship with Jesus, be redeemed by Jesus. We're be, we need to be changed, set free, new life, and to reflect Jesus to this world. It's very helpful for us to clarify. Moving to the practical here. God has given us his purpose. What do we do with this? It's really helpful to actually write it down. We have a purpose, but we don't live on purpose. We let our instincts and our desires just kind of drive us. But we don't want to be led and driven just by the waves of our emotions and culture and time, do we? Right? We don't want to be just tossed around. We want to be directed. We, God's put on my heart that, 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 that as we move forward here in 2023 here at Grace Community Church, we are not ones, we are not a church, we are not people who are influenced by this world and its culture, but we are influencers of this culture through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That comes from purpose. We got to live intentionally on that. And, and, and we got to write that down. Go to the next slide there. A couple next slides down here. We need to intentionally keep God's purpose in front of us. The disciples, that, or excuse me, the Israelites, when they received God's word from, from, from him, his revelation, God said, write it down. Put it on your forehead. Put it as wall art in your house. Talk to your kids about it. Get it in front of you in every way possible that you can because you're going to forget. You're going to go back to that old way. Those instincts, those passions, those desires, that's what we know. Stephen Covey, uh, leadership guru, if I can put it that way, has this statement. He's written a lot of literature on how can we experience God's divine purpose in our lives. The pra- it's very practical. A personal mission state becomes the DNA for every other decision we make. It's very significant. Just a simple thing as making a personal mission statement. Creating and integrating and empowering a personal mission statement is one of those important investments we can make. Taking God's truth, as we've heard it this morning, and and writing it down. Take some time as a family. How how are we going to define who we are as a family? How are we going to receive God's definition? We, we exist as the Walker family, as the Hanson family, as the Hibma family, as the Smith family, as the Barber family. We exist to honor God by 
We are going to love God and love others by, and, and there's unique things to your family. Benjamin Watson, we saw him on the screen earlier this day. His taking advantage of that moment with Anderson Cooper on CNN didn't just come out of an arbitrary sense, but because he has let God's mission and purpose define him. And he's looking and anticipating in all opportunities, how can I let God's purpose lead me? He has a website, Watson Family of Seven. God bless them, fertile family. It's awesome, super beautiful family. He was an all-American Pro bowler, tight end, amazing athlete, incredibly a gifted guy, but a, a genuine, genuine man of God. This is from his family mission statement. Faith is the foundation that informs life's decisions, relationships, and pursuits. Because of this faith, I fervently address the physical ills of the world with the hope of sharing the essential, equalizing, and everlasting spiritual cure for mankind's most pressing dilemma. The gospel must always remain the center of our lives because it is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. He wrote it down. They're cultivating this into the life of their family. He went on to say this. Micah 6.8 is our family verse. It reads, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and love mercy, to walk humbly before your God. We have memorized this verse as a family and discussed the meanings and importance of justice, mercy, and humility. Our hope and prayer is that our kids will carry these traits into adulthood and that they will tell people about Jesus while remembering the importance of Micah 6 8 as they navigate the world. Live on purpose. We are all living out a purpose. But God has created us, He's given us purpose, and it requires intentionality to live on purpose. To experience his life, satisfaction. To not merely be tossed by the waves of our emotions, our experience, our culture. But to be influencers in this life. And to breathe life. Friends, let's live on purpose through Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to have the worship team come on forward. Lord Jesus, we ask... We need your intervention in our heart. This isn't something I just, I'm going to take this bull by the horns. I'm inspired. I'm energized. Scott, I'm pumped up. Here we go. And we find we fall back into those, those, those ruts that we, we feel comfortable with, those impulses that are, have been reinforced over time, over and over, and are powerful. Lord, we, we come right now because we can't change ourselves. We need you, Jesus. Change us. We need you, Jesus. Change our trajectory. Jesus, there are things we've let rule us in this life. And we, 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 we want to be free, Jesus. We want you to lead us. We want to live under the fear of the Lord in the, in the loving care of the one who created us. Jesus, we want you to define us. We want you to drive us forward in your love and your grace. And so we come to repent and release these things. And receive your life. In your name.